Well, you know, I um, was thinking about what to talk about in uh, the subject of why do we sing before a sermon um, started rattling around on the inside of me because I realized, you know, it's, it's easy to take for granted um, if you have been a Christian for a long time that, you know, you just sing because that's one of the things that we do in the service. We have the singing and then we have the announcements and then we have um, the offertory and then we have the sermon. And so I thought I would spend some time explaining why we have that as part of the service. And so um, just explaining why it's important to worship God. Why, why, do we, why do we just make that something that we do every Sunday? Why, why not just have the sermon and then go home? <laughs> so I'm going to just share a little bit. So worship sets the stage for the sermon to be preached um, and for the Holy Spirit to move. You know, when we come and we sing to him, we're setting that stage for the rest of the service to happen. A lot of times what we're doing, it's an opportunity for us to stop thinking about whatever it was, however hard it was to get the kids ready to come to church or however hard it was to find a parking spot on a Wednesday night. <laughs> You know, whatever, maybe the thoughts going through your head before, you know, you come to church. We're setting those things aside and we're redirecting our thoughts to, um, to God and, and um, going that, that way. And, you know, like anything else in a service, you know, um, if you come with your heart open to receive the word, it gives God an opportunity to speak the word to you and to reveal things to you. If you come expecting that you're giving of your offering to God, uh, it gives him the opportunity to give back to you. Um, if you come expecting to worship him, then it also gives him a time to continue to reveal himself, to pour out his love in your heart. You already have that love, but there are times where you're in his presence. And when you're in his presence with a body of believers, it is um, different than when you are at home by yourself. And <clears throat> I love to sing at home all the time. But there's a difference when I'm, when I'm here with everybody else and everybody else is wanting to worship too. It makes a big difference on that. And so I wanted to, first of all, go over some things of what worship is not. You know, worship is not about the cool songs and about the musicality of the people leading, you know, whether they're good, they're not good. You know, it's always nice to have talented musicians and it's nice to have songs that we like to sing, but that's not really what worship is. And worship is not the buffer time, you know, before the sermon so that if people are running late, it kind of lets everybody get settled in. <laughs> you know, that's not really what worship is. And, you know, we, we can skip worship and we were, we're here to get the meat of the word, you know. And there is something about getting the meat of the word, but worship you know, gets your heart in tune so that you can receive more from the setting, from the, from the word. Worship is not about feelings, but your feelings will be affected by worship. You know, sometimes people can say, well, I just didn't feel it today. Well, that doesn't mean that your worship wasn't received by God. 
because it really doesn't matter what our feelings are. We're doing our worship. Sometimes it's a sacrifice. We're giving it to him and expecting that he's receiving it. And uh, so it doesn't matter what your feelings are. You're doing it out of faith. You're, you're trusting that God is pleased with the fact that you are honoring him and worshiping him and singing to him. And so it doesn't matter whether you're leading the worship or whether you're in the seat um, worshiping God. Uh, it is an offering. It's something that you are giving willingly. God does not make you worship just like he doesn't make you give financial offerings to him, just like he doesn't make you come to church, like he doesn't make you listen to a sermon. All of those things, it's something that we do to honor him. We do to bless him. And so if we look at Hebrews 13, 15, we'll start right there. It says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice Ah, I did the wrong, I didn't, I didn't put which one I'm doing. So we'll just read the New King James. Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And so we are, um, it, is, it is a sacrifice that we're doing. It's, it's something that we, sometimes you feel like it, sometimes you don't, but you do it anyways because you're honoring him. And so he, in turn, is blessed by that. You know, it, uh, it honors him that even if you don't feel like it, you do it anyways. You know, if your child cleans their room without you asking, you know, you're just like, that's awesome. You know, thank you. You know, I didn't have to ask you to do that. You know, that is a blessing. Well, when we do things for God, it blesses him as well. And so, you know, there's many times that I will have um, this wonderful time of worship with our volunteers on Sunday morning. You know, we'll, a lot of times at um, 945, uh, we have a time where we get together and we pray and we worship. And it will be really nice. Everybody's together. We're all one mind, one accord, giving God worship. And then uh, once the service starts, I'll, I'll notice, you know what? It's not as easy sometimes to worship God. It's not as easy to, um, that atmosphere is not necessarily the same as it was in the volunteer worship. And, you know, there's a couple reasons that that can happen. And I just wanted to share some of those things. And these aren't the only reasons, but these are two reasons where it, why it could happen is that it takes people time to go from the natural of getting ready, getting somewhere, getting prepared, you know, just you've had a, a hard week, whatever, lots of things going through your head. You come to church and you just plop down and you are just ready to, okay, I made it. You know? <laughs> so it takes time to go from that to going into a place where you're, now in tune with your heart or your spirit and you're worshiping him. And so it takes that time to sometimes connect. Now, sometimes people can be worshiping in their car the whole way, and then they come and they're just already ready. They're, you know, 
It, it didn't matter that, you know, it took them a half hour to find uh, a parking spot because they were praising God for that half hour, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's just different ways to get around the same thing, you know. Um, and so they come in already ready. Then another thing that can happen is that if the majority of a church shows up, like, on the last song or maybe the time where it's an extended worship where we're just singing from our heart, it makes it hard for people to just be able to jump in right then and there. So you've got, you've got people that are already entering in and worshiping, but you've got a lot of people that kind of have the brakes on at that point. And so, so you can't necessarily as easily go into that time where you're just worshiping from your heart because not everybody is on the same page. You've got different people at different places in that service. And so that could be another reason why, you know, um, that you can't necessarily go as far as you would like to in a, in a time of worship uh, in a main service. So another thing I wanted to just kind of share with you was the difference between Old Testament worship and New Testament worship, you know, because a lot changed by the fact that Jesus died for us. So in the Old Testament, if we look at um, 2 Samuel 6, 14, I'm just going to mainly focus on that first part. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. So in the Old Testament, the only person that had the Holy Spirit, the only people that did were like the king the priest, the prophet. It was not something that everybody had the Holy Spirit upon them. Um, and so they were anointed, they had the Holy Spirit, and they were anointed to do a specific task. And they didn't necessarily have the Holy Spirit all the time, but they had it at different points in their lives. And the temple was the place where God dwelled. So you... The only place that God was in, um, you know, in, the, in Israel would have been in the temple. He wasn't with each person individually. And so he dwelled in that temple. And so when the, la when the laity, which would be just common people like you and me, when they worshipped him, all they could worship him with was their flesh, which means their mind, their will, their emotions, their might, so they would work it up, and they'd be like, yeah, 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 and, and they were having a great time, and they'd dance, and they'd do all these different things, but it was not from their spirit that they're doing these things because they did not have access to God through their spirit like we do today, and so you'll see people, they would clap, they would do fun things, and it's jovial and a good time, but it's not the same as what we have today. Today we have a higher way of worshiping God. And so what an honor and a privilege it is. We don't want to have less than what they had in the Old Testament. We want to have so much more because there was a huge price that was paid for us to be able to come and have access to God and to be able to worship him. And so in the New Testament, we are all God's house isn't that just amazing? We have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have him on the inside. And so we are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. And so he lives in us individually, and he lives in the body of Christ collectively. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 6.16. And so it's not just what I'm saying, but this is what the Bible says too. It says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Isn't that just awesome? Just the difference. You know, it didn't matter if you really, really wanted to have God with you <laughs> in the Old Testament. You know, you, ha you had to go to a priest. You had to go to somebody else to access God. You didn't have that same ability to just go and, and expect him to talk to you individually. And today we, we all have that. We can individually have God speaking to us, talking to us, because he's already in us. We're his temple, it says. We are, we are um, he's walking among, he's dwelling in us. He's walking among us. And so when we worship God, it is with our spirit now, instead of just our emotions, instead of just our might and, oh, we're just having a good time and it's about this deep, you know, no, now we're like, it's everything about us that we're giving to him in worship and we're honoring him with everything in us. And, and so that's what we have. So it's a higher type of worship. And that relationship with, with God is deeper. And that came at a high price. And so I'm saying that because I want us to see the value of what, what was done. That it's not just something that, oh, it's just this trite thing that we worship God. No, a big price was paid so that we could worship him and so that we could connect with him. And so let's look at John 4, uh, verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So when Jesus died and he rose again, the way we access God changed. And so now God is desiring us to worship him from our spirit. Let's look at that again, John uh, 4, 23 and 24. So this is when Jesus was talking to uh, a Samaritan and she's like, you know, are we going to Who's right? How do we worship God, you know? And, and God is saying, or Jesus is telling her that there's coming a time when you're not going to worship him on this mount or that mount. You are going to be worshiping him from your spirit. And so let's read this. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. He wants, this is a desire of his. He's seeking, he's looking around, he's desiring people that will not just worship him with, from their head, not just, you know, like sit back and just see, you know, 
Um, you know, this is for the people that have the great voices. You know, these, no, he's wanting your worship. He's wanting you to give to him of yourself. And this honors him and it pleases him and it blesses him. And so he paid a price so that we could offer him this type of worship. And so that's one of the reasons, and so that's a main reason why we take time together to come together and to worship him is because it blesses him. It, he likes it. He loves it. <laughs> I'm going to uh, go through some other things. You know, why, if I worship at home, why is it important to worship at church? Why isn't it okay to just, you know, have a great time with God one-on-one? Because that is important. God loves the fact that we, you know, we can praise him continually. The fruit of our lips giving thanks unto him all the time. We can be just constantly in a place where we're talking to him and, and loving on him all the time. But why, why do we want to come together? Why, why is that an important thing in a church service? So let's look at Psalm 150. We're just going to read the whole psalm because it's all about praise. But the first verse is, is kind of the key right here. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. You're praising him coming together. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. firmament. <laughs> praise God. Praise him for his mighty acts. If you're not sure what to say to God, just say thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your mighty acts. Thanks for protecting me. Even when I didn't even know you were protecting me, you've been protecting me. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. You know, this sounds like a lot of people doing a lot of different things praising God. Praise him with loud symbols. Praise him with clashing symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So again, this is also in the Old Testament. He's saying, let's get together. Let's worship him in the sanctuary. Let's come together at the temple and offer praise to him. And that isn't even the type of praise that we get to, to give to him now. And so how much more do we want to get together and offer this deeper type of praise that he's given to us to be able to offer him? So that God himself is instructing us, go and offer it together. Go to the sanctuary and worship together. Let's look at Matthew 8, 18, 20. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So when we come together corporately, we are creating an atmosphere for God to move in our service. And so, yes, we can do this individually, but it, there's a difference when we come together. Both are good. Both are necessary. But this is why we come together and, and worship him. Let's look at... 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but you're now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So God is desiring people to praise him. He wants it. He enjoys it. It pleases him when we come together. He inhabits it. So that means when we all come together and we're worshiping him, he's inhabit. He's there. He, he's in our midst. And if he is with us, his power is available to us. We're creating an atmosphere for his power to be in manifestation for everybody that is here. And if you look at it, it says um, we are a chosen generation. So it's not an individual. When you think of a, a generation, you think of a group of people that were born and living at a certain time. And so he's saying we're this chosen generation that is chosen to worship him. And then he wants to inhabit that worship. And so, yes, we can do that individually, but it also pleases him for us to come together and do it corporately and worship and honor him. Let's look at Psalm 22, 3. I have it first in that Amplified Classic. It says, but you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. So this is talking about God. God is holy, and he dwells in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. Let's look at that same verse in the voice translation. It says, still, you are holy. You make your home on the praises of Israel. So in the Old Testament, uh, Israel was God's chosen people. In the New Testament, it's us as Christians. So God is making his home in our praises. And so what a special thing to be able to do for God. What a special thing to be able to give him a nice home, not just a barely get by trailer home or whatever, you know, but I'm talking let's make this place something special where he gets to, you know, there's many, many rooms because it's so big. It's something that we're giving. We're offering great, great things to him. We're, we're making a place for him to come and inhabit with us right here in Andover Christian Center. Right here, we come together and we're creating an atmosphere for him to be blessed, for him to be honored. And so, uh, you know, uh, there's so many things that we could do with our time. But man, when you consider the king of kings, the lord of lords. You know, a lot of times people will pay a lot of money to go to a concert, maybe a football game, baseball game, something like that, to go see and be in the presence of a bunch of other people that are cheering on a team that next year it's not going to mean anything, <laughs> especially if they didn't win the championship. You know, but people will do that. They'll gather together. They'll scream. They'll holler. They'll have such a good time. And yet, how much greater is it? And it's not something you have to pay a dime for. 
You get to come together. You can come every single week. You don't just get to go when they play and then they have the off season and you have to wait forever for them to start playing again. No, you get to come all the time, every single week. And here at Andover Christian Center, you get to come twice a week. Isn't that just amazing? You get to come two times a week to worship God and to, to be in the presence of the most important person. You know, bigger than Taylor Swift. You know, I mean, people make such a big deal. She had three concerts because there were so many people that wanted to go and see her in Boston area. And yet, we have God that we have access to every single week. And it's still music. And we're blessing him and we're honoring him with this music and that he, he comes and he sits with us. And he's in our midst. What an honor. You know, and, and it's, it's just freely given to us. It's freely on our part. But it cost him a lot. It cost him a lot for us to be able to have that kind of access. And so uh, let's look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Here's another thing that happens when we come together. Why, why are we doing this instead of just staying at home and only worshiping him at home? Why are we doing it together? So let's look at this. Uh, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. So when we're coming together and we're worshiping each other, or worshiping God, not each other, we're worshiping God, <laughs> we are encouraging one another, though. It's encouraging when you see, you know, I'll just tell you something. From up here, when you see a church service and there's a lot of people in attendance, it's encouraging. And then I see your faces when there's not a lot of people that show up and you're like, where is everybody? What's going on? You know, it's encouraging when you see a group of people that have come together and we encourage one another. And then we're wondering what's going on? Why isn't so-and-so here? What's happening here? You know, those are the types of thoughts that people have to deal with during worship because I get to see your faces. <laughs> And wait until you have a new person that's coming in and everybody decides to come on the third song. The first two songs are like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> Where is everyone? <laughs> so instead of being able to worship, they're processing, did I make the right choice? <laughs> So I'm just saying, when we come together, we're actually encouraging one another by doing by getting together. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself is your cornerstone, is the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple 
in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We are being fitted together. You know, there's a lot of different churches, and that's great, you know, because we're not all cookies made from the same mold. We're all different. And so there's a church community that God wants you in, that he's connecting you with, and together you are being um, fitted together to grow into a holy temple in the Lord. I'm just thinking about that. Like, we get to come together. We get to be knitted together to create an atmosphere. And and we want, uh, it, it tends to be a lot of the same people. You'll have visitors coming in, but it's the same people that you're you're growing. You're, you're being fitted together. You're creating a place that God is able to inhabit and then in turn he strengthens us and then helps us to go out and do what we're supposed to be doing. But you're being built for a dwelling place for God. Andover Christian Center is one dwelling place for God. This is where he comes on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning and he he's here to just be blessed to be honored. Let's look at, um, let's see. Let's look at 1 Peter 2. Yeah, let's look at 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5. We come together, um, we come, we're coming together to him as to a living stone, uh, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So we are that. We may be rejected out there. <laughs> People may not understand why you spend your Sunday morning and Wednesday night going to church. But to him, you are a living stone, and it's precious to him that you set this time aside. It, it, it means so much to the King of kings and the Lord of lords that you said, you know what? I'm doing this for him. I'm honoring him. And so let's look at verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we, as a corporate group, together, we are offering up spiritual sacrifices to God. Isn't that just precious? That means something to him. That's important to him. And so we're doing it through Jesus Christ because before Jesus Christ, we couldn't do this. Because of Jesus, we can do this. And so that's why we're connecting together and we're, we're making a place, a spiritual house, for him to be able to come and dwell among us. And he's with us always, but there's something different when we're all bringing Jesus with us. <laughs> we're making this temple for him, and we're off offering up a corporate worship to him. And so it's important. It's important not because I lead the worship. It's important because Jesus, God, says it's important. He thinks it's important. And so we're doing this out of reverence for him, out of, out of honor for him. 
So that's why we come together to church, and that's why we sing. But you may be like, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But why do we sing individual praises after a song? Why can't we just sing song after song after song? Why do we sometimes stop and then, you know, have to come up with something to say to God? <laughs> why, why is that necessary? And so let's look at Psalm 66, 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. You know, there's something about singing what someone else has written. And, some, and there's a difference when it comes out of your heart. It's something that you're thankful for. You're able to praise him. You're able to thank him, make his praise glorious. That's something that's important to him. And so when you're saying things from your own heart instead of just what somebody is feeding you to tell you, hey, sing this right now, sing this right now. But you go from that, that helps you to go from, okay, I had to drive around for a long time and find a parking place. That's a good start, but then we are going from that to the part where it's like, okay, I'm now in this place where I'm connecting with my spirit and I'm singing to him and I'm offering him uh, my worship. And so let's look at Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is in, uh, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You're making melody in your heart. That's what we're doing. When we take this time to offer him, we're making melody from our heart to God, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gives you a time to just say, thank you, God. Thank you so much for saving me for forgiving me for my sin, that I don't have condemnation, that when thoughts come to me that try to remind me of my past, I know that the blood of Jesus covers that. And so it just gives you this time to focus on him. And you are now from your heart expressing, not just, your, not just from your mind, but from your heart. You know, I, I find for myself, you know, when I'm at home, I'll sing some songs around the house, but most of the time I'll just sing stuff that comes whatever, you know. Some of it's pretty, some of it's not pretty. <laughs> but I'm just singing things out of my heart to God, just letting him know that I love him, that I'm so thankful for him. You know, and so you're doing that as a group, as a body of believers. We are encouraging one another because you know what? When we're at home, we might think we're the only ones that love Jesus. You know, especially if you're in a workplace full of people that don't love Jesus. Or if you're in a school where, you know, you're not to really, you know, surrounded by people that are thinking that Jesus is cool. You know, whatever, you're, you can start to think that you're alone. But boy, when you get together... And you find other people, they don't think it's weird. They don't think it's weird that you sing to God. They don't 
think it's weird that you want to worship him from your own heart with your own words. <laughs> this is it blesses God. Let's look at Colossians 3:16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. There's a grace in your heart to do that to the Lord. So it's a time that we express individually as well as expressing as a collective group to God how much that we love him. It's a way that we are um, filling ourselves up in the spirit. You know, it says, uh, you know, that we, we edify. We, um, I'm looking for that. Uh, in uh, Ephesians 5.18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And how do you do that? Songs of praise to him is one way that we do that. We are filled with the Spirit. So when you are coming together in a church service and you've had this time of worship and then extended worship, you are getting filled with the Spirit, and you are in a really good place to receive when the word comes. <laughs> you know, your heart is open. You're also creating an atmosphere so that when the pastor comes up here and he preaches, he is, uh, he's got all these people that are ready to receive. It gives God the ability to speak through him. You know, it, sometimes I think people come and, and they judge the pastor for whether or not the sermon was good that day. But you know what? It could just be that the people weren't ready, that they were just sitting there and they were really hard to preach to. And so, you know, worship gets us into a place where we're now connecting with our spirit and then we're ready to receive and we're like, God, whatever you want to do in our service, you are welcome. You're, have your way. And so it may be that he comes up and preaches a word, and all of a sudden people just have revelation going, right? Things, answers. Uh, you know, um, there was somebody that was telling me that when um, uh, Reverend Jeffrey Murata was here, you know, uh, they were just completely delivered from depression. They, were, they had been dealing with depression for not just a few years, but for a very long time from as a child. And all of a sudden, they, are not, they still have to push against thoughts and things, but they were freed. You, you come, but if, if you noticed, everybody that came had this expectancy. They're like, hey, we're going to, you know, it's a guest speaker. It's something that's a little bit different. You come in and everybody's expecting and there's stuff that's going on. But we as a church can create that every single Sunday. And we have a part that we are playing. We come in, we're worshiping, we're creating this atmosphere. And then as uh, as the minister gets up here, he can say and do things. He can do it anyways, but there's a difference when there's people that are pulling on it. It makes a huge 
difference when, when you come up here and people are not just like, oh, you know what, I'm really tired. It's been a long week, you know. And now, mind you, there are, that is a natural thing that people deal with. But there's, when you come in and you're expecting, I'm going to get a word from God. I set this time aside to receive from God, and so therefore I'm going to get something. <laughs> when you come in, you know what? You're not going to be bored. You're not going to be bored. If you're bored, again, are, is that your expectancy? Is that the minister's fault if you were bored? Just throwing a few things out there. So when we come to church, we are creating an atmosphere. We are coming expecting. We're coming ex creating an atmosphere for God to move, creating an atmosphere to love on him, and then asking him, have your way. And so if that means that there's uh, a tongues and interpretation or there's this or that, we're not like putting the brakes on, but instead we're like, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Whatever you want, have your way. And when the word is coming forth, Lord, speak to me. Make it clear to me what, what's being said so that I can go into uh, this week fully equipped to run my race fully equipped to do what you want me to do. And so, anyways, God has given us such a precious price that he paid for us. And so when we come, we don't, we don't want to take lightly and not esteem something that blesses him, something that honors him, something that gives him reverence.